and welcome to All His Movies, the Shia LaBeouf podcast. This is episode 13, Surf's Up, from 2007, that began at 4.50pm on day two of All My Movies. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And this movie, oh my god, I love this movie. I did not expect to love this movie. I did not know anything about this movie. I can't believe that I haven't heard more people talk about this movie. But this movie is maybe like in my top three Shia LaBeouf movies. It's probably American Honey Fury Surfs Up, which is just the weirdest list. (laughs) That's hilarious. Uh, This is definitely one of the best movies we've watched yet in all his movies. (laughs) Uh, Or at least this is one of the movies I had the best time watching. I was completely unprepared for this. I had no idea, really. I was just expecting another sort of -of run-of-the-mill animated feature, but they really really flip it around in this in a way I wasn't expecting, mostly by making it a mockumentary. It's amazing. Like, I don't know. Oh, my God. Can we just... Uh, my, some of my favorite movies of all time are the Christopher Guest movies. Yes. And I love the mockumentary style. I love everything about it. Every time, like, when, especially when I was at Fantastic Fest and I was watching lots of movies, including American Honey, I was thinking sort of like, could I have come up with this idea? Usually, no. But, like, could I have come up with something like in the similar style? And yeah. And I feel like, and that's sort of a re- weird roundabout way of saying, like, if I were to write a movie, and I don't have really intentions to write a movie, I think mm-hmm. that, like, I don't know if I would think to write a mockumentary, but, like, that's exactly the kind of movie that, like, I should want to write, because, like, it's exactly what I love. Just, like, the jokes in this movie, when they're showing, I don't remember who it is, it's somebody, they just show his name on the screen, and then they sort of zoom out, and there's just that gigantic, like, shark or whale that's gonna eat oh, him, and then they dad. just yeah, toss on dad. screen that just says, deceased. Mm-hmm. Like, the text drops in. Like, subtle things like that are just so perfect. This is the kind of movie that I love watching and it's i feel like this is the kind of movie that i would want to write these guys that made this movie are just amazing yeah it's hilarious they really know how to play with the media they emulate different styles of film like they make it look like video at times they make it super grainy there's scratches on the lens of the cameras that the penguins are using to shoot the documentary i mean they really go the extra mile to make it feel authentic in that way and i couldn't help but think of a couple things early on in the movie like they're kind of riffing on march of the penguins which was an extremely popular documentary around this time and and there's a line Shia's character has at the beginning where he says I don't really sing or dance and I think that was a crack at Happy Feet which was it also is, yep. around this time <laughs> Yeah, this movie's like really quick and smart and caught me off guard and I just completely love it and it was I'm not even sure if I've ever seen an animated documentary like this before. Like it truly felt like a one of a kind, a first of its type. And you're right, I'm really surprised more noise has not been made about this movie over the years. Apparently the first idea that the writers of this movie had, I guess I don't know I don't know where the like how this process began. I, maybe they were just like come up with a penguin movie. The original idea, supposedly, from what I read online, a dark, comedic take on Romeo and Juliet, but starring penguins. (laughs) And then it became, you know, this mockumentary style about the surf competition and Shia trying to sort of impress, like, I guess trying to, like, live up to his hero who he thinks is dead, and then when he actually meets his hero, spoiler alert, and then he's like, live up to his hero. Then, I mean, I guess in, in terms of, like, animated movies, because this is clearly for kids, but there is a lot for, I mean, like, I love this movie, but, like, I, I guess the point of this is that, like, it's not always about winning, right? It's all, it's, like, the most important thing is having fun. Yeah. Don't worry about, like, what other people think 
about you or what they're saying about you as long as you're having fun doing whatever you're doing that's good for you yeah yeah this movie has a, a really good message and it's at the heart and it the story is really crafted around getting the message across and i never feel like the movie diverges into weird tangents like they're not really ever referencing popular culture they're not going for those kinds of easy jokes and they really stay right. on track this entire film and that also impressed me a lot. It made me think of Crudes a bit in in the sense and like that movie really stayed on message and wasn't going crazy with like the pop culture references and anything like that. Like this one really felt like it knew what it was and you know at times yeah it's formulaic you know there's not a lot of stuff here you haven't really seen before but it's the way that they've combined it and presented it that feels fresh and fun and is just like right away was just infectious for me. And it's clear that the people who make this movie know what they're doing because it's directed by two people, and one did Toy Story 2, and oh. one did Frozen. Oh. So, I mean, they're both, like, they're powerhouse animated directors, you know what I mean? Yeah. But one guy, I think, who did Toy Story 2 has only directed, like, three movies. Toy Story 2 and this, and then this movie called Rock Dog, which comes out next year, which I don't know anything about, but I already added to my list, like, <laughs> if this guy, like, did this movie, I need to see that. Yeah. But in terms of, like, staying on message, this movie, including credits, is, like, 85 minutes. I think without credits, it's probably, like, 78. Like, it's so short. There's nothing bad about this. Like, it's just, as soon as the movie ended, just, I didn't know what else to do. It was, like, a weird, like, time <laughs> before I, like, I didn't want to go to sleep yet. I just, I just started it over and rewatched the first 20 minutes. Man, it's just so good. Yeah, I didn't even think about how short it was, to be quite honest with you. And something we brought up to plug Keanu Club when we talked about Bogus Journey over there, it's like there's nothing in that movie that feels unnecessary. And maybe that's why it's short, but it didn't need to be any longer. And I kind of feel the same thing here. Like, never once did I feel like it dragged, and I never felt like it was going too fast either. It just kind of felt perfect, like the right length. Plus, it's supposed to be like a documentary, so... Right. Time and length of those can vary as well and everything. You know, on top of all that, this movie just looks beautiful, right? Like, I keep thinking of a lot of the water shots and the surfing and and that final shot of the movie is just gorgeous. So there's a lot of value to rewatch this movie, you know, like reasons to watch it over again. So, like, if it's too short, you know what I'm saying? Like, if it's too short, you can just pop it on again and (laughs) watch it again. Yeah. So there's two things that are sort of notable about this movie. One is that apparently every shot or every frame has a little bit of film grain on it to give it that sort of documentary feel. I mean, sometimes it's more noticeable. I mean, when he's paddling out to surf, Mm -hmm. the camera is basically like a GoPro attached to a surfboard. Like, So it's sort of, it takes on a different quality, which is really cool. But the other thing that I read was that it only has 900 shots, which I guess it's like, it's an abstract number, but they said that this a really, really low amount for like an animated movie this length. Hmm. And I like that because you sort of like, there are shots where it just, you sort of like sit back and just, you know, literally like let the waves fall over you. Like it's sort of, they're interested in just sort of like letting it envelop you. You know what I mean? Like it's not mm-hmm. like, they're not, they don't feel the need to like quick cut to jokes and like there's no like annoying characters. Like the only relatively annoying character is Chicken Joe and like he's redeemed by the end. So I mean like, <laughs> yeah, I, I just don't, like there's, mm-hmm. there's nothing here that like they feel the need to like shoehorn in like other movies do. I, I don't know. I just, I just love it. Yeah, Chicken Joe actually won me over completely by the end of the movie. At first I felt like he was kind of out of place, but then by the end I, I totally understood. Maybe the penguin, the, the mean one, I was like, all right, he's a little overwritten possibly, but it's voiced by Diedrich Bader, so I couldn't not like him. I mean, that guy's just an amazing voice actor, and I mean, all of the voice acting here is great. Like, usually, I kind of feel like people get a little little lost in the animated performance, and it's not really... You gotta be, like, really strong to break through, and and in this, I recognize, like, I don't know, I just feel like everybody 
was really being channeled through their character really well. You know, Zoe Deschanel really yeah. comes to life. Jeff Bridges, you know, is insanely great in this movie. This is like, even though it's just his voice and he's being an animated penguin, it's one of his best performances. His register, what he can do with his voice and the different sounds that come out of him. Like, it's incredible how well everybody's voice acting comes. Mario Cantone. I was like, I can't believe he's even in this. And his voice was perfect for that character. It was just one surprise after another. And I mean, needless to say, Shia's amazing. And like, Mm -hmm. as I was saying, you know, like last night after I put it on again, I just started from the beginning I was like walking around doing some stuff around my apartment and I went to brush my teeth and I was just sort of like listening to the movie and all I could really hear was him and I could just hear him I can't stop gushing about this movie and I, I it's, or whatever just get over it just the, like listening to him I can see him acting like he's doing such like a great job with his voice and not even watching the movie I can see what he's doing he's doing so much for this lead penguin, like it's just it gets exceptional. We've talked about his live action performances, how we've kind of forget it's him and he gets lost in the character really well. And here I felt that especially come through. I was like, Yeah, this is he's totally breathing life into this character and yeah I had the same feel I just thought he was great in it like he's, he really shines through like kind of like Jeff Bridges but in a different way like he's got a different bag of vocal tricks that he can work with and I noticed he, he kind of goes back to this well in Transformers like he's got that great scream well I call I'll call it from now on the Shia scream because I think we might hear it a couple more times in this retrospective but I just think he's got a great really recognizable voice that suits this type of work and you know like everybody like your voice kind of has to stand out and stand apart from each other in an animated film and, and his really does it's it's unique unto itself as much as I do love this movie I did if we wanted to just kind of try and find stuff to I had one or two questions about kind okay. of what was going on in this world I wish we had a little more clarity as to the rest of the planet like I w- at one point I wasn't sure if it was kind of like penguin world everybody was pretty much a penguin mm, uh, there's probably. a couple other I would guess probably yeah there's a couple other birds like there's chicken joe there's the mario cantone and then james woods plays some kind of rodent i wasn't ever exactly sure what kind of creature he was i was kind of i just had a kind of lingering questions in the back of my mind i was like is this kind of like howard the duck where they're on penguin planet or is it more like zootopia and we're only seeing penguins because they're the best surfers so they could have maybe just expanded the world a little bit in in that regard but listen this is like i'm stretching for complaints here (laughs) that was kind of the one thing i I, my big wonder about the whole movie i mean i don't even think about that like i was just so engrossed in this world and like the little things that this movie does shia gets stabbed by that fire like he steps on the fire urchin and he goes back and then zoe takes it out and jeff bridges pees on it or however that Mm -hmm. works right and then the next morning, he's like, whoa, what happened? He's like, well, you stepped on a fire urchin. And then they cut to the fire urchin, like, in a confessional. Yeah. He's like, step on me. Like, the guy, like, paraded all over me. I'm like, this is amazing. Like, that's such, like, a, like, I don't know, like, I, I can't think of any other movies that would make that joke. They can just do, like, oh, oh man, it's, just, it's wonderful. The fact that, like, it's a living, sentient thing that he stepped on and was able, like, that they had the idea to, like, cut away to that and just yeah. have, like, a 20-second a joke, it's perfect. I think that goes back to their complete understanding of the medium and how to work within the documentary style. I mean, it's like you said before about the brevity of shots and stuff. Like, there's not a lot of shots in this film or less than you would imagine. And and you might not realize it, but it registers on a subconscious level because that's sort of like the documentary style. They'll let things sit. 
They'll focus on things that for longer, they'll linger on things and emphasize importance. And I think they're doing the same thing here when they're cutting away to the urchin. It's like, oh, in documentaries, they always sort of do the cutaway for the second opinion or the next impression. And here we can pull one of those jokes you might see in The Simpsons or Family Guy where it's like we can randomly cut away to something as an extra punchline. But within the documentary you know, formula, it works and it fits and it doesn't feel out of place or anything because it's all part of the style so that's just really smart too and that yeah i noticed that too and i also love when they kept cutting away to the little kid penguins and getting like all their (laughs) their you know getting their opinion on everything and they're following like one guy is following he takes a camera and follows the chicken through the forest looking for shia and you know you get like his whole little adventure i mean it's all just wonderful I mean, it's established from the very beginning, like the first shot of the movie, there's basically no one in frame. Like, you might see Shia's head, I'm not sure. You know, the people behind the camera, the the quote-unquote documentary filmmakers, who were talking to Shia, and he's just sort of like asking, like, oh, what's this going to be about? Like, do anything to the questions Mm -hmm. ahead of time? They're like, oh, no, man, it'll be easy. Then they have him, like, step on the crate because he's like this short little penguin. From the very get-go, like, as soon as that first thing happened, I was like, oh, I'm going to love this movie. Just because, like, they're so confident in what they're doing. Because I don't I can't think of another mockumentary. Like, the Christopher Guest thing, I guess are sort of family friendly depending mm-hmm. on which one you pick you know what I mean yeah but like I don't I can't think of another movie that's like aimed at kids in this style this is sort of their introduction to it and they're gonna love it because it's you know cute animals and bright colors and everything but it's just like this entire new form of storytelling both you know visual and written that just it's just impressive and amazing I actually was thinking about pop star never stop never stopping while watching this uh, because that is a mockumentary you know it's kind of it's not quite as as structured in the same way as this but i was like oh that's a mockumentary i saw recently and i'm getting and i liked it i thought it was fun but i'm actually getting into this more than that i feel like this understands what it's doing a little better or maybe it's a little more strict or something but maybe it's also that it's not trying to be crude and rude as much as it's just trying to be genuine and sincere and i think that helped it out i don't know what i'm getting at exactly if it's you know if i just think yeah it is too bad that there aren't more mockumentaries geared toward children maybe the people making them don't think children are sophisticated enough to understand what's going on but i'll tell you i've got some young nieces and nephews and they would get this in an instant like they totally understand the concept of you know at five and six years old that this is a movie being filmed and this is a (laughs) film about a movie being filmed like i i don't think you should put it past kids to grasp what's going on here i agree that like there should be more mockumentaries for kids but like now that they did this like you, you sort of can't top this well, that's, you know I mean? like, that's the like... other problem like yeah they really they came out <laughs> swinging and like set the bar so high with this movie but at least there's this movie that kids can explore i don't remember this movie coming out really honestly mm-hmm. i remember there being sort of penguin craze as you talked about like with happy feet and yeah. march of the penguins and there seems to be like these trends in hollywood not just like not mainstream trends not like how now you know it seems like every move like every weekend you can go see a superhero movie like there's always one in theaters you know what i mean yeah. then there's all penguin movies or like nobody ever makes movies about magicians and then the same year the same summer like the prestige and the illusionist yes. come out. you know what i mean it's just like i don't know what's going on at this time but there seem to be like all these penguin things and from the outside without really looking into who made it or where it's coming from or who's in it I think it's sort of easy to be like, 
oh, they're all just trying to capitalize on a trend, and, like, even if one's good, like, they're, they're probably not worth checking out. Mm. Like, if there was just one Penguin movie, my mom loves Penguins, like, it's her favorite animal, and if there was just one Penguin movie, I feel like we as a family, because I would have been just out of high school, I think, when this movie came out, I feel like we probably would have gone to it, maybe, or maybe, maybe my parents saw this, I don't know. Mm. I just, I think that there's so many that's just like, I don't, I'm just not going to bother with any of it, and which is a shame, because this is just so, so very good, and I can't mm. imagine Happy Feet as any good well I, just, I can weigh in on that if you like i mean <laughs> sure. despite the talents of directed by george miller and the voice talents of robin williams and elijah wood that movie creeps me out i don't understand the appeal of happy feet whatsoever the animation doesn't appeal to me the ending is very bizarre where they bring in live action humans and stuff and i oh, just do they really yeah it's very strange towards the back end of that film in the third act and that one doesn't make sense to me but it it was humongous like it was a sensation and and I think that's the issue is that the March of the Penguins being narrated by Morgan Freeman kind of started a whole sensation about like how velveteen his voice was and how you got to see this movie because it's important it even had like a farce of the Penguins mockumentary come out after that like a comedy version and everything like that so I just think that um, Surf's Up may not have had like the pedigree behind it to garner a lot of like this attention towards it you know and it may have just kind of gotten lost in the uh, mix a little bit there because of just the powerhouses that those other two Penguin films were, but I, I think this is the best of the three if we were going to put any of them. I mean, it's not really fair to compare March of the Penguins because that's a, a straight-up documentary, but sure. I, I mean, this movie out of the three, I enjoyed the most by far. I mean, this was put out by Sony and Columbia and Universal, I guess, sort of the three big production companies. The budget was $100 million, which I guess seems high. Mm. It only looks like it only made 150 So, I mean, it's not necessarily a massive hit, but I, I also feel like, I feel like it went away. Like, I don't remember mm-hmm. this. I mean, it wasn't that long ago, but I just have no recollection of this. Yeah, it feels sort of like, remember when we watched The Amp Bully and we were like, when did this come out? How did this movie yeah. ever get? And that was, a, and we both kind of agreed, like, you could do a lot worse than The Amp Bully. Like, that was kind of like a nice, fun kids version of Ant-Man almost uh, a lot of the same thing going on and it's just it's too bad that the better ones or the ones that seem to play better for us are the ones that people aren't really into or we don't we don't really hear about or don't just get like the attention that they deserve yeah this movie only made 58 I mean not it's still a lot of money but it only made 58 million in the US I just feel like like the Ant Bully there was just like this time where Disney wasn't making animated movies really and like if it wasn't a Pixar movie it almost wasn't worth seeing mm-hmm. yeah people were super biased I mean I remember when A Bug's Life came out and then DreamWorks came out with Ants and yeah. it was like no one wanted to go see a Woody Allen cartoon really with like Sylvester Stallone they all wanted to go see Bugs Life even though you've got Dave Foley but you know how many people who were into Toy Story were into Kids in the Hall I mean it's not like you know <laughs> like they weren't really banking off of star power they were more like hey we're Pixar we're hot shit you know you know you love us kind of stuff back then and yeah everyone was real biased against like Sony uh, like the like DreamWorks animation came out swinging Sony started building up you know animated film it was it was a crazy time and what's also i guess tough maybe about this movie is that the weekend that it opened it opened against Ocean's 13 and Hostel Part 2, oh. which I guess are very clearly not the same audience. So I f- like, Ocean's 13 is not, like, terribly different. Like, if parents want to, like, because sh- I feel like that's a movie that you could bring your kids to, maybe in theory. But also at the same time, there's a Pirates of the Caribbean movie in theaters, there's a Shrek movie in theaters, there's a mm, Spider Man movie in theaters. So, I mean, they're all movies that just, like, I don't know. It just, I mean, this movie opening weekend opened in fourth place with $17 million. It's hmm. so, like, even from the jump, like, it wasn't 
a huge hit, so. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm not even sure if Shia was a draw or even Jeff Bridges back then isn't who he... I mean, it's only been 10 years or so, but, like, Jeff Bridges is huge now, you know? And, like, back then, sure, he was the dude and everything, but he didn't quite have the cult status. I feel like he's developed up till this point. I just don't feel like there is anything here that like the marketing department could really push you know like surfing eh, it's not exactly super mainstream it's right. always it's like people know about it and love it and you know point break Bodie, rest in peace all that of course big z gotta love you um <laughs> <laughs> but it's not like everybody can just go out and and surf every afternoon as as easily as they could skateboard or something right. like that you know so it's it's tricky to see what to do with this movie how to market this movie really it's just you gotta do whatever you can to sit your kid in front of the TV and watch it and I feel like as long as you could get them there and get the movie going I feel like they will totally latch on to what they're given here I mean this is a movie that there's not much else to say about it other than like if you have kids show this to your kids even if you don't have kids it's worth watching because it's very very funny maybe the more you know about the mockumentary style the more you might like it but I think even if you've never seen one before it's it's gonna be really funny and like the things that they do are really good I just man it's just great Mm. it's just great and I don't have anything else to say about it I just love this movie totally agree like if you're into if you're like an adult you know and you don't even have kids but you're into Christopher Guest films or you like mockumentaries or if you even like documentaries I think it's just fascinating to see an animated documentary because to to the characters in the film they're not treating it like a mockumentary you know what I'm saying like to the audience it's not a real doc it's presented as a real doc so that adds even an extra level that everything happening in the movie is, is real to the character's perspective I guess that's the whole thing, right? Because documentaries by nature, by definition, are about something that really happened, and if you're animating it, it's not really, like, it's it's gotta be some, like, weird kind of twist. It's almost like a movie like The Imposter, or I just saw at Fantastic Fest, Belief, The Possession of Janet Moses, where it's all, like, recreations, reenactments, with right. sort of interviews and stuff, you know? Like, it's even, like, those don't feel like documentaries, like, it's not the actual footage, it's like, it's based on, it's almost like based on a true story. This is more of a documentary, everything about this movie is creative in ways that, like, should be applauded, and People should try more. And I don't know what else you could do. Well, you know what? I was I was thinking of how where is the next level and what this almost is and what I thought it was for a second was maybe it's a animated found footage film, you know? Like what if they did Toy Story Four as a found footage movie where like the newest toy was a camera that could walk around and it was recording all oh, of God. the antics going on in the uh, nursery and stuff like that. But really, like that's where we are here, and I'm just shocked that there haven't been more animated movies like this you know like I, I'm not yeah. saying you gotta take an existing franchise and, and do something like this you know I think there's definitely more room for this joke inside the genre of the animated feature well I feel like if there was a camera in a Toy Story movie I feel like we wouldn't see it in the main thing but I could totally see them over the credits sort mm-hmm. of flashing back to like everything you know what I mean like yeah. this is this is his perspective in all these big scenes almost like Super 8 style right where at yeah. the end you see the little movie they put together I feel like documentaries are not messy with enough. Like, the only thing that comes to mind in terms of, like, people really, aside from Christopher Guest, aside from what we talked about already, people really sort of messing with the mo- the documentary is, have you seen Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon? No, it's it's on it's on my list. It's, the hor- it's a horror film, right? Yeah, so that is a perfect movie for you to be watching as we record in October. By the time this releases in November, maybe save it for next year. Behind the Mask is this documentary. It starts out as a documentary. It's, it's all fiction. It's all written. It's all scripted. But it starts out as a documentary about this guy Leslie Vernon 
And in this world, all the serial killers from movies exist. So, like, Freddy oh, is real cool. and Jason is real. And they're all sort of, like, inspired by this guy, Leslie Vernon. Like, he was, like, the first oh, kind of like the Ed Gein or something. Yeah. Mm. And so he's, like, this guy who's sort of retired and that he no longer kills people. Like, people know who he is. Whatever. It, <laughs> no, I don't remember exactly. That's funny. It's like a you know, retired serial killer. <laughs> Halfway through the movie, though, it twists, and this isn't really like necessarily a twist because that's what the whole thing's about. But like, it stops becoming a documentary, really, because then he goes and he starts to try to kill the camera crew, and so then it just becomes like a found footage horror film. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's like a twist on a documentary that like nobody else has really ever tried. About like, it was like Man Bites Dog or something, where a documentary crew followed around a serial killer in France, and then they thought it was a joke, but he turned out to be a real ser- serial killer and kills them at the end. I don't know if you're aware of that. No, but I guess that's the same sort of thing. I don't know, mm-hmm. but like even with those examples, like there aren't as many as there could be. I don't want to say should be, but as many as there could be. No, agreed. Yeah, I mean the only thing that I feel that is doing anything with the documentary style now is that show on IFC called Documentary Now with Fred Armisen sure. and Bill Hader, where they take yep. you know the most famous, some of the most famous documentaries out there and turn them around and make them funny and do their twists on them. You know, the Grey Gardens one, where it turned out that they're serial killers at the end, <laughs> like that's the only thing like happening right now I feel that it's sort of like pushing around or messing around with the medium because documentaries are like it's a it's a specific I don't know if I, I guess it's a genre but like it's a type of filmmaking that like I always wish that I got more into because there are so many good ones and like people always cry about how there's not much to see on Netflix but I feel like Netflix is still like a great place for documentaries like yeah. if they're cutting you know their features sure but like, there's still so many good documentaries on there and I usually enjoy the documentaries that I see I just don't think about it and like just seeing a movie like this that isn't a real documentary documentary like energizes me and like makes me want to see more yeah agreed you know i'm sort of guilty of not really watching as many documentaries as i'd like and i've sort of i've actually been trying to catch up on a bunch recently and i mean this movie was just it it just makes me want to watch more documentaries now too like it just makes me gives me a whole new appreciation for the style as well and i don't know what else to say about it but that uh (laughs) everything is good about this i mean maybe everything is good well just about i i'd say that they kind of butcher a couple green day songs early on uh, yeah you know they it's okay in the long run they but it is kind of strange that they use holiday which is kind of like this anti-war song i think and then they use welcome to paradise which is like i guess it's kind of fitting it's about running away from home and living in the slums and stuff but i don't know that just (laughs) it didn't take me out of the film whatsoever it actually kind of made me laugh even more at that point (laughs) the way that they appropriated punk rock for this um and then the (laughs) the rest of the music is great too because unlike point break we got a lot of surf music here a lot of like that classic dick dale i mean uh, jeff bridges sings wipeout at one point i think yeah so i was really enjoying that they really got what seemed like the surf culture down pat for this movie there a tldr of this podcast is this movie is great go see it so just <laughs> too long i guess it'd be tldl too long didn't listen you know this is a short maybe our shortest shia yet with so many question marks on the horizon in terms of Shia kids movies and especially coming off of Transformers and you could watch mm. this movie twice in the runtime that it would take you to watch Transformers once check and this I'd out I'd much rather I would much oh, rather yeah. watch this twice than any of those Transformer movies again yeah and, and this kind of gives me hope that after those grueling Transformer films it, it's like no good films are still out there you know good films for kids and teenagers and they have to fight to get recognition and be seen but I'm glad that we're discovering them and 
that whoever's listening to this might hop it into their DVD player too and, and get to see it and enjoy it as well. So yeah, it, it sort of like gave me faith again in uh, children's films. I mean, because we're going to have some, I think, that are probably going to push the limits of the kind of kids' movies that we want to watch as we're getting like, you know, to the Even Stevens movie. And like, we're probably going to be like, oh, all right, like we don't have much to say about this because it's not very good. But here, we're off to a great start. Like, is this the first one? Is this the first kids' movie that Shia's done in reverse order? I believe so. Things are sort of borderline like Indiana Jones and Eagle Eye or PG-13. But yeah, this is the first kids' movie. And then mm-hmm. we have Disturbia coming up next, which is rear window for kids, sort of. But I mean, not kids' kids. For teens. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's still, like, another five movies that he's going to do before we really get to... Or maybe even... No, more than that. Probably, like, eight movies before we get to like Even Stevens and Holes. That's like, kind of Until he's actually a kid, yeah. That's weird, because if I've, I wasn't even aware until we started doing this that he started on a TV show on Nickelodeon, so it's kind of strange that he would want to... Disney Channel, I think. Disney Channel, okay. So it's kind of strange that he kind of dumps that image immediately moving into films by doing stuff kids can't see for a while, and then he comes out with this movie and... And then know, just Indiana never goes... Back to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he'll do one or two. He's like one and done. I would take like a six-year-old. I would have taken a six-year-old to see Crystal Skull, but definitely not Transformers. So for all things, all his movies, you can go to cageclub.me or facebook.com slash cageclub. You can see the episodes we've done. You can figure out what's coming next. Follow us on Twitter. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Check out the other shows on the network. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And we'll see you next time on All His Movies. I've got an Ill-